0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Case. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight.
1: Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get
0: it? Like MMA, but amazing? MMA
2: Amazing. Radio.
3: Welcome to It's M-Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, Lavender Gooms. Hey, y'all. DJ Mark. What's up? And our new reigning, defending, picks. We don't have a title for this. picks champion, Kid Presentable himself. How about that, Amanda Nunes? My man, you go and win like that, and you don't even show up for the show the next week before we... We, we were... Basking in your glory even when you weren't even here. We talked it it's up, man. Ju-
1: just like Amanda Nunes, quiet dignity.
3: That's yeah. what we do. All props to you, brother. You- we just
1: post a photo in the morning standing above our chimney with all these belts.
3: She had one today where she was trying to put on her pants, and it wasn't going well, and she just wrote 145 never again. Amanda Nunes, her po- <laughs> like she's it. killing this right now. I like when she had the belts in the back seat. She says, I'm taking them to the gym today, and they, were, they had seatbelts on. Um, Amanda Nunez is handling is is doing this perfectly. The champ, champ life, the best so far, quite frankly. Um, speaking of the champ, champ life, we might have a fourth one. Uh, just handing these out. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about UFC on ESPN plus. One, this is the naming convention is gonna get weird with plus one and plus two and stuff like that. Is there a plus one and plus two? You have to describe. Well, no, this more. is the first. No, I'm <laughs> saying this is on we're on ESPN Plus. Number one. Like, UFC on Fox Sports 1, number one. And stuff like that. Oh, okay. This is the numbering. I got you. Is that
2: what they're calling this? Are they calling it UFC I, th- I, think, w-
3: I think we just need to call it, like, we all... We, we, everybody's kind of gave up
2: eventually. We just call everything UFC Fight Night. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what Wikipedia has to yeah. say. Well, if you okay, look at... Okay, but the- it does also, say also known as UFC Fight Night on ESPN Plus One, so... I like, I like
3: UFC Fight Night 143. That's it. <laughs> else what we're like calling that. these
2: things. Um,
3: yeah, UFC is going to be on ESPN's... Streaming service, um, and and we're gonna talk about this because I noticed it just now. I think Donald Cerrone might have gotten the best deal in this whole equation because, as the main event of the prelims, he is on actual ESPN. Big ESPN, yes. Donald Cerrone fighting on there. So Donald Cerrone coming out the winner, I think, of this uh, fight card so far. Um,
2: are, Bob, are they gonna have they're gonna have main cards on ESPN? Yeah. proper right? Yeah, but. The this one prelims on it seems weird. Well, I, think, think, I, think, I think this ESPN one and two, and then they go to because it seems weird to go to. ESPN I think that's Plus what we're doing right now. Regular. I think that's just because they want they people.
3: Buy. They want to get people like, hey man, we got we got actual shit on this ESPN Plus thing. You might want to get. You know, if you like fights, this is where you're gonna watch them. They gotta, you know, All right. Um, because I've been seeing you know watching ESPN. They've been they've been advertising this shit, man. They've been advertising it that's a bunch, funny. which you know you give, them, you give the UFC all this money. You'd hope so. Uh Yeah, we're going to talk about this UFC on ESPN card. Um, we're trying to see if any news happened this week, but God knows this, uh, how much MMA news we can all take at this point is getting lesser and lesser by the minute. Um, the one that does stand out is that we didn't really get to touch on it last, last week, but um, the UFC, despite all conventional wisdom, um, despite us having to put up with this shit for over a year or so now, this motherfucker... Uh, we are not getting Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. Um, despite, I saw I saw polls out there saying, who should Tyron Woodley fight next? And it was like 85% Colby Covington, 15% Kamara Usman. Um, we're getting uh, Kamara Usman and Tyron Woodley, which uh, is a very good fight. Not to complain about that, but not really what we expected. Mike, um, in your opinion, do you think the UFC is doing this... I think there's really two options here. One, they're punishing Colby Covington for not taking that fight, taking this fight back last year, you know. Or two, um, they... I, no, I don't think number two is even an option. I was going to say they don't think they can handle the really uncomfortable racial talk this entire thing is going to turn into when they do fight. But I, it's got to be the first one, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't think it's the second option because that didn't seem like that was stopping them from doing it beforehand. I mean, there's a woman beater co-main eventing this
3: card we're talking about. It also yeah. seems
0: like it'd be a huge
2: selling point. <laughs>
3: yeah. I don't know why we drive <laughs> away from controversial Yeah, at this... <laughs> at this point. But yeah, sorry, Mike, go ahead.
0: Yeah, so... Um... You know, I I don't even really think it's that they're punishing him for not taking the fight in uh in November because I don't know, you can't have it that you're punishing both people um in a potential fight because you can't have it that they're against Tyron Woodley and they're also against Colby Covington. Um frankly, I think part of it is just they probably don't think Colby Covington has that much heat as maybe Colby Covington thinks um they're probably thinking Kobe Covington can be there after this fight we, they would rather get Usman in there um, i think it's more just a regular business decision
3: Dude, i i think they're punishing him but yeah my, my as i was always explaining the second option i mean steph I, I you could i mean what do you think i mean i there, it has to i think they have to be punishing him because i don't see the point of us going through this all this point to get to here and not get the fight
1: I mean, man, if you're coming to me with this, you know I don't got like the logical take on this.
3: Well, I know what you want, but
1: like, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean. And but like, I mean, like thinking about like what the whole point of putting this bull—I was putting
3: oh. up with this bullshit for a year was,
1: you know. Oh, I'm not. I haven't been putting up with it. Like I said, you don't listen. To, you don't listen to that baby whining in the corner. I have tuned out Colby. Him, everything he does not get, I'm like, that's right. I'm not rewarding that behavior. I'm not paying attention to you. I'm not clamoring for it. I don't think anyone cares. I think uh, Usman, he's probably easier to play with. You know, he he plays ball. He, he He's up for whatever. They don't like Woodley, so they got a guy that they can back. They got a guy that they can believe in, can get rid of the headache that is Tyron Woodley. You know, Kam- Kamaru Usman, he's not making any types of demands. He's not being particularly inflammatory. But he has a potentially exciting style that cannot be denied. The guys who are usually in Kamaru Usman's Positions that get ignored are the ones who kind of eke out decisions, aren't physically imposing, you know, your Matt Browns of the world, the ones that Dana can't ignore.
3: You don't think um, that uh, Usman's essentially, I mean, he's a, he's just a more agreeable version of Tyrone Woodley, right? Pretty much. The way he fights, yeah, it too. It's, like. it's, it's, it's <laughs> the
1: thing is, I, I think it, it's like the UFC will back people. They they get behind certain people that they think are going to work well with them that might be marketable. Look at your Francis Ng- Nagano, you know. They clearly back some – and I think that's what Usman fits into
3: right now, and I think he's just kind of
1: capitalizing on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean you said it. It's very obvious when the UFC – I mean, let's be clear. I think we all recognize there's no champion now that Demetrius Johnson doesn't exist um, that the UFC wants to not be a champion as much as Tyron Woodley, right? I mean, Mark, let's go to you. I mean, it's this every minute this motherfucker's held the belt. The UFC is like, let's throw every fucking weird fucking angle we can throw with this guy. And let's, you know, call him a drama queen six ways from Sunday. Like,
2: they don't want him as champion. Yeah, I mean, I I feel it's tough because if they didn't really want him as champion, I don't know how much hearsay they have in... Casting him, or you know, because I mean, he's on TV a lot. (laughs) Dude's on Fox Sports talking about UFC stuff a lot. For a guy, if they didn't want him to be in the spotlight that much, they—I don't know if they. But again, I don't know if they have any say. I don't honestly, Mark.
3: I don't think so because at one point Demetrius was on there too. I mean, he talks about how like he's like he's gonna be on Hawaii Five O next month, and he has his album coming out, and he's got all this shit going on, and he's like the UFC's never done anything for me once. They didn't put him in an NWA movie. Let's put it that way. He did that. I himself.
2: mean, I think, I think a lot of the stuff that Steph talked about, I kind of agree with. Because when you try to get in the headspace of like, why would they make this decision? And when you look at the three participants in this conversation, yeah, Usman's like, he's the guy that is hungry and is willing to go with the brass to, to get his title shot and get it done. And you can already see Covington and for sure Woodley are fighters that are kind of controlling their own destiny when it comes to financially what they want to get paid out, the kind of moves they're making to... You know, kind of branch out outside of just the UFC umbrella. I mean, especially Woodley. I mean, with all the stuff he's done outside, like you said, he's been in movies. He's on the TMZ sports show or whatever the hell that shit is. Hollywood so beat down. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy that obviously has a manager that is saying, like, look it. Getting punched in the face is only going to last you so long. Let's branch out. You know, you're a marketable, well-spoken, good-looking Young guy, let's get you in front of the cameras and let's, you know, expose you to the world as much as possible. And I think when you look at Covington, he's in like a very opposite direction, right? He's very controversial. He says stuff to get people to get under people's skin to get them to want to see him fight to lose. And But all, ultimately, when it comes down to me as a fan watching a fight, I don't hate either of these matchups. I think obviously Covington earned that spot a little bit more. He fought for a belt. He won. He's supposed to be next in line. There's been kind of an order of how the UFC used to run things, which has been kind of thrown in dis- disarray since the new ownership. But at the same time, like I think Usman and Woodley, from a fight perspective, is a lot more intriguing to me. I think, like you mentioned before, Bobby, these are two fighters that have a lot of commonality with each other. They're great wrestlers. They have explosive uh, techniques. They are very fun to watch. When you look at Covington, Covington he's very much the workhorse type. Where it's not big explosions to get the fight done, it's a constant pressure that he puts on guys to slowly get them to wilt, um, and that's and I think Woodley uh, matches up very well against Covington. I think he would have a much easier time getting the W there than he will with Usman. So you know, as a fan perspective, I think the Usman fight is a lot more intriguing because I think it's going to be a lot more difficult for Woodley. Um, but then the Covington fight is interesting and appealing to me as well because of. Of what Covington has kind of branded himself, either either you're racist and you agree with all the bullshit he says, and you're a weird fucking fan of his, and want to see him win. I mean, okay, l- is-
3: okay, let's let's pull this motherfucker's nonsense out of her for a second. Let's just give the cle- clearest example of his of uh, something. Else, this happened to Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, oh, oh. they just they passed. He was the interim champion. Let's go with the one people sure. everybody likes. It, I swear to God, like I remember how pissed people were about that but at least they gave us like Conor McGregor and Khabib out of that shit. Like I mean I think this is like pe- with, with his whole decisions. gimmick is that like his whole gimmick is that like he's been a dick and everybody's supposed to hate him and now he's trying to draw sympathy this prick and it's not going to work. But like it's beca- but
2: he he got fucked. The same way Tony Ferguson got fucked, right? Sure, but I I feel like with a lot of these decisions it it does feel like it's a higher brass decision. It seems like even Dana Cannot control these things. It's like someone at the top of WME is like, "These are the fights we can uh, we can potentially do." What What sounds interesting to you? And he's like, "Ooh, this Usman guy. Look how big and Jack T is. That'd be a fun fight. Let's do that one." And they're like, "Well." This other guy, he kind of has a better... He's like, no, 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 no. I, I want to do this one. Let's do this one. This will be fun. The fans will come. We'll make money off this fight. For, forget Covington. And it feels like almost a lot of the decisions is like that. It's not so much who's most deserving. It's just the brass looking at it and being like, I think this fight is more appealing and maybe we'll be able to sell more. And do I don't think who, it's right. But, do you know who Usman's manager is? You are talking about managers? No. I, of course I don't know who his manager is. Ali. Okay, so maybe his manager is getting it done.
3: Honestly, all these guys get title fights. I'll get these fights sometimes where I'm just like, I don't get, I, like, he, I almost think he has like fucking like tapes of Dana White doing shit or something. I don't
2: get it, but. Well, he's obviously a good manager then, and maybe these other guys need to yeah. go that route because, yeah, it, it, I think if you're Covington or Tony Ferguson, you're kind of like, dude, I fought for the fucking belt. I'm walking around with this shit. Oh, you don't care. Okay. You took me to the White House with it. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was weird too. I mean, if you're going to play that stunt, why not just r- roll with them? But I don't know. Mike, I, don't
3: know. That- I was going to say, Mike, um, It's how you get Tyron Woodley to uh, agree to a fight with the guy he thinks is doesn't sell as well. You tell him you can be the co-main event for John Jones, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think Tyron Woodley uh, sells very well. Um, I think we all know that. So I think this is a two-fold uh, gift for, for Tyron. Um, one, he gets to be on a card that'll probably sell maybe 650K. And also, I think he likes not giving Kobe Covington an opportunity to fight for the title. So I think he's very happy about that.
3: He said, uh, Steph, he said he's gonna, he wants Usman. And I mean, he's gonna fight Usman. Then he says he'll fight Covington. And then he said by the end of the year, he wants to fight for the middleweight title. I mean, okay, huh? If he does all that shit. Of all, of all the people doing it, why not, huh?
1: I mean, you know, It's really just the domino falling of who hasn't asked for a champ-champ fight yet. Like, It's not special. Conor did it. It's not special. Everyone is a double champ now. Woodley's like, okay, may as well. We haven't done these two. We haven't mixed these divisions yet. Um, it was only a matter of time. Well, I mean, he, he also he beat we, one we, of those if, guys, if, right? He also beat He we already beat him. At that point, I mean, my dream of him fighting Nick Diaz is never going to happen, so why not?
3: I mean, he did also beat one of the guys fighting for the belt. He beat Gastelum. It wasn't that close. I don't think he fought Bobby Knuckles. I don't remember that. But I know he beat Gastelum two rounds to one. And one of those fights where he won the first two rounds and just took off to third. Standard old Woodley. Um, uh, Mike, uh, John Jones came back. No picograms in that drug test. Uh, which, I don't, at this point, I don't know. Like, is that good i thought he's supposed to have picograms for like forever and then he doesn't have picogram i don't under, i don't
0: No. i i think the logic behind it is uh, at least based from what i understood that's par for the course because i think the way it works with picograms is that depending on when the drug test is taken they may show up they may not because if you remember from his test from august to, to october some of them were higher some of them were lower and then it would go up again so you never know. Maybe he takes uh, another um, test for picograms, and maybe it'll maybe a little bit will show up this time. So who knows? I, I
3: mean, okay, John Jones is just allowed to have a little a little bit. He, he's allowed to have a little bit left
0: as as long as they're long term. Apparently, yes,
3: that's you know, Tom Lawler tested positive for the same stuff, but sure. Yeah, you I just don't, I think I'm just so confused with that. Aspect. No, they've, they've achieved a point where I'm just like, I, whatever Joe's drug test says means he can fight. But I like, think
2: is, is the picogram a new thing that we're testing? It's like oh, No, this- the picogram is
3: just a small, like, it's a certain, like a smaller amount, I guess. I don't, they found a way to say it a different way, a bunch of different ways. And at the end, I was just like, sounds like bullshit.
2: Sounds <laughs> I mean, like bullshit. Oh, this is this is easily the age we live in where if you just spew enough bullshit. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just like this sounds like such like right, this. Whatever. I'm like, you know what,
3: man, just tell me you want John Jones to fight and he gets to fight and the rules don't apply to him because that's everybody's impression anyway. So you let's know just, I'm
0: okay with that. Let's just not have rules anymore. Well,
2: that's where we're at, man. There's no rules. This, Fuck it.
0: This reminds me of when TRT came into our vernacular mm. and uh and I think the first one I remember it really coming out was Chael. And he said, it oh, it's because I have hypergonadism. Uh-huh. Remember all these guys I, said they needed I, it? That apparently was a plausible reason for why he was taking such so a All these dudes went up there saying, I need it,
3: or I can't train, I can't do this. And all of them are still fighting. Every single well, remember one how much better they used to do and how much funner it was? <laughs> Fucking Vitor blinded Michael Bisping for the love of God with this shit. Look, I mean, I've said it. I've maintained John Jones'
1: greatness. There are no asterisks for me. This is the greatest fighter we have seen in our lifetimes. Why are we all trying to stand in his way? Why are we trying to let little things like cheating stand in the way of watching this man maul other human beings?
3: Anthony Smith is Except coming.
1: this niche sport for what it is. Lionheart Anthony Smith, man. It's coming for him. He's coming. Yeah, for he's going to be a great boss. <laughs> he's coming for him. <laughs> My only issue, I I don't know if you covered it. I don't remember the timeline. The fact that he said he's about as good of a wrestler as anyone, like that's the only place where where it, that's where Anthony Smith lost me. It reminds me of uh, who was that one like Guamanian Filipino kid who I hated inexplicably because he said uh, Mighty Mouse was n- no better than anyone else he'd ever fought before
3: oh fuck I know you're you know about. what I'm talking about I lost
1: respect for this guy forever It's like the I Portland, understand shit talking but sometimes you're just saying patently false information that's Anthony Smith saying that John Jones is as good of a wrestler as anyone else it's, it's he's like- arguably the greatest wrestler in
3: the entire sports history Kenny Florian might beat BJ Penn in the first round Stefan sometimes you just say these things
2: <laughs> just <Yeah>. like <laughs> obviously you have to tell yourself something to think that you have a chance and he's like I'm a better wrestler he's like oh dude you're living in some delusion I'm trying to world. find this
3: guy's name I know who Stefan's talking about Um, was it Cariasso? Yeah, Chris Cariasso. Yeah, that, 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 that.
1: (laughs) I'm like, okay, it's like, I understand you want to be confident, you want to say, but now you're just saying factually incorrect information right now. I I remember Mighty Mouse mauled him.
3: Like, over seven minutes, he was just mauling him.
1: It wasn't even Essentially, Anthony Smith just committed the promotional equivalent for me of being, announcing you're a flat earther. Like, okay, I can't take anything you say seriously anymore. On to the next one.
3: Uh, do you guys think Anthony Smith gets out of the first round? He, I was going to
2: ask if I believed he believed in a flat Earth or not, because I'm more interested in that now. He, uh,
3: he, he um,
0: he's tough to put away, man. Like uh, I'm just saying, I like, think he, I think he gets out of the first round. because yeah. John normally doesn't take people out in the first. round. I think
2: if they're standing, he gets out of the first round. Because I, I, the one thing I relearned in the last John Jones fight is like. Oh yeah, this dude's stand-up is not that good. <laughs> like, hmm. like straight up, like he's gotten some good, he has great kicks, his punches suck, his elbows are alright. The dude murders people on the fucking ground. <laughs> right when he got that fight to the ground, it was fucking over. And I was like, oh yeah. Like, why doesn't he do this more often? Yeah, he has like these stand up fights where it's like, oh, I'm barely you know, I'm barely just getting it done, or I'm I'm he's like winning the fight, but it's, he's not damaging the dude unless he's like hyper extending his knee. <laughs> and then the like, it's like the Belford fight. It was four rounds of him, like, struggling with Belfort. And then 10 seconds, he gets him on the ground and subs. And I was like, dude, this is your... Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. Steph, remember what he did to, like, Matyushenko and
3: Brandon Vera when he was on the come-up? He was just like, I'm going to take this dude down and elbow them in the face. No one's going to stop me.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is John Jones' greatness. He, he's so good. It's like Habib. It's like, I'm going to work on some shit right now. I'm going to just try some shit out. It, we'll see how it goes. I He has a fail-safe. And very few fighters... Are so talented to have a fail safe. Remember for for how long, Bob, you're like, well, maybe he can't mm-hmm. take a hit. We learned John Jones has a ch- fucking chin as well. Mm-hmm. He's just trying shit now. He's mm-hmm. going out there. This was the guy on the come up. We loved him. Why? Because what did he say he did? He watched stuff on YouTube and he just tried it in fights.
3: I think I can do this. I'm I'm just that good. He started it, your German suplexing Stefan Bonner just because I, I bet he saw a Chris Benoit match. He's like, fuck it. Let's see if I can do that. Like, that's what John Jones is to me. You know,
1: whenever he gets his st- he wants to get his reps in. He he likes working on zany shit, and sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't, but at any moment, he's taken down anyone else who could have been the best wrestler in that division, he took them down. So he knows he can get that advantageous position whenever he wants.
3: Um, let's just start talking about these fights, huh? Um, this is a pretty, honestly, a pretty good card, which looks even better when you try to look at the fucking pay-per-view that they're trying to sell people next month. Um, this card's pretty deep. Um we're going to pick a fair number of fights here. Um, so um, I'm just going to start from the bottom here. Um, Joanne Calderwood and Arion Lipski. Um, you're wondering why we're picking this. There's two reasons. One, it's actually a fight at flyweight. Uh, and two, JoJo's the underdog here. Uh, Stefan, you got the odds in front of you?
1: That I do. Um Erin Lipsky is a two to one favorite, minus two ten to plus one seventy-five.
3: Does anybody know who this lady is?
1: I know that she is Brazilian and she has arguably one of the best uh nicknames in the female
3: division. She is the queen of violence. Oh. 11 and 3. She oh KSW's a serious promotion.
2: She's got a, a hell of a Arisa, win streak, Arisa, Bobby. Bobby, do you want to walk that back a little bit? Isn't that the one that the strongman fights and all the time? No, stuff? but I I if you're gonna, yeah, fun. but like I mean, in terms of European
3: MMA promotions, KSW's
2: got some people, man. I mean, KSW is great if you want to watch your main event lift Atlas stones after. No, too, but like so. they said,
3: like they had like all those like other like I mean all these like Swedish guys and shit all came up. I, on the I'm scene. sure they have
2: good. Uh, well, I mean, know, let's go fucking know. let's do it.
3: Let's go. Let's make some picks, Marcus. What do you got? You got the two to one
2: favorite, or you got the one you know? I mean, my gut is always just to go with the girl I know. But when it comes to Calderwood, she definitely in the past has proven that theory to be wrong for me. It was like, I don't know who the other girl is. I'll pick her and then she loses. Um, she has a win in her last fight, so that's good. Now, I'm going to go with this unknown ksw girl i don't like it at all but i just and i and i love uh joanne calderwood i mean we all do if you've listened to the show anytime we talk about her we love her personality i think she has a fun fight style but she tends to drop fights um and even those fights where you don't know who the other girl is so i'm going with um whoever the other person is which is an awful thing to pick
3: Stefan.
1: um yeah i got a new fight girl crush
2: uh she is very cute.
1: She's a very pretty girl. And she's very fit. And I, without having seen her fight, by her being Brazilian, I'm just going to assume she is aggressive. She's wearing a lot of Muay Thai gear in, um, along her certain photos. And if she's the favorite, I have to presume that's why, because Calderwood has shown a weakness in her uh, timidity in fights. Um, it takes her a long time to get going. And when she loses, it's usually because someone can blitz her early and she can't recover. Um, and if she's the favorite, and just kind of based on what I presume her fight style is, based on her camp and everything, yeah, uh, I'm comfortable picking her.
3: Um, Mike, um, JoJo here is really—I feel—I mean, okay, isn't that the record is not going to indicate that her she's two and two over her last four? But I think training at five at Um Tristar has been good for her. Training at Syndicate's been good for her. Seems like she's gotten a little bit more stability in her life. Um, what do you think, man? You think she, you think she's going to get it done here and be a contender in this division or we're going to have, um, Miss Lipsky out there. think care of business.
0: Two and two in her last four, but more importantly, one and zero since moving up to 125, uh, in her last fight, I don't remember who exactly she fought. it was her first fight at the new weight. She was no longer killing herself to get down to 115. And she looked really good. Uh, if I remember correctly, she dropped the girl and then submitted her. So I'm going to hold out hope that JoJo at this new weight can find a, a new renaissance to her career. And I'm going to go against uh, Steph and Mark and, and pick JoJo.
3: Um, I like it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Mike, Mike science. Wants a, Mike, wants, Mike wants a title, man. Mike's going got to win a championship this year, is what he's decided. Um, I, I'm going with um, Ariane Lipsky. Not really proud to admit that the second I pulled her up on Sherdog, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know who this is. I remember them signing her and people talking about how pretty she was. Um, we def- I definitely remember that. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think she's going to win, though. I noticed something in the UFC's fight bookings in general with the female talent so far in the new year. I'm like, all right, you got this girl, then you got... Paige Van Zandt and Rachel Ostovich. And then I saw their book Michelle Watterson and Carolina Koelkevich. It's a lot of people looking good coming off the bus, facing each other. <laughs> if you don't understand what I mean here. Just putting that out there. Um,
1: By the way, those two, um, I happen to follow both of them on Instagram. They are having the politest exchanges since uh, this fight has been announced. They're posting photos with each other. Like one's complimenting the one's daughter. The other's, oh, you're so pretty in this photo. They are a very cordial future fight.
3: Is this
2: Calderwood and her opponent? Or, no, uh, no, Michelle Watterson okay. and uh, oh, Carolina. Watterson.
1: Okay, they, gotcha. They're being very cordial with each other.
3: Have you noticed um, Stefan, you follow them on Instagram that uh, Carolina and I know this is with Joanna too, they like to have about 45 hashtags every time they post something.
1: <laughs> yes, um, I've noticed this uh, I dated a Polish girl and apparently this is a thing based on two examples that they type in hashtag Polish Hashtag girl, hashtag Polish girl. Yeah, I noticed hashtag, that. One. Hashtag fun, like <laughs> they are. They ah, uh, they really want to be discovered. I mean, Carolina, she's got a decent following, but uh, yeah, th- these are people trying to get discovered.
3: Um, all right, so Mike, uh, you got that. Uh, you're on the island alone this time, brother. Um, the and this is again. I put out the main event of ESPN. Um, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Donald Cowboy Cerrone gives no fucks and he will fight any of these young cats coming up. And Donald Cerrone is gonna fight Alexander the Great Hernandez. Um, somebody that, uh, really turned some heads, um, in his, uh, two UFC fights so far. Fucking blasted Benil Dariush, my boy, in less than a minute. And really looked good against, uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier, uh, back in July. Donald Cerrone, um, I think this fight's at lightweight too, if I'm not mistaken, right? It yes. is, yeah. I like Donald at lightweight more, I think, because at welterweight it looked like he stopped caring at a certain point. But um, Donald, um, I remember this. I pick. I'm the one to pick this shit right. Donald Cerrone looked real angry when he's fighting Mike Perry, and he took it out on him that he was angry about Um John. Uh, coming off a really good win over Mike Perry in that one. Um, before Donald's kind of been going back and forth here. They keep facing him against these young guys in these divisions. Marcus, um I'm looking forward to this one quite a bit, quite frankly. Um, Donald coming into this one um off of just one win, but he's got a pretty big size advantage on this kid, about four inches. What do you think?
2: Uh yeah, I think this is if for me it was it was oh, I top apologize. Of...
3: Stefan, what's the betting odds? Mm-hmm.
1: The betting odds are Alexander the Great is minus
2: 190 to Donald Cerrone's plus 165.
3: All right, Marcus, go
2: ahead. Yeah, um, I, I think this is probably, at least for me personally, one of the tougher fights to pick. Um, I often say a lot of times, like like the fight we were just talking about, where we have a known entity and another fighter that we're not familiar with. And I remember when Alexander Hernandez was in that seat, and I often – would comment that this is a great opportunity for you to show me that you're someone that I should remember um, next time the fight comes up, and that fight with darnouche did exactly that. He he didn't just overwhelm Darush. like he was fucking dirty. It was one of those like, oh, we're gonna touch gloves, flying and kick, and then just full blitzkrieg. And I like that memory sticks well for me in this fight with Cerrone, as a guy who tends to start slow and can get overwhelmed and has a hard time fighting back when he when his back's kind of against the wall, and even mentally where he's kind of getting beaten in that first round, I think he has a mentally kind of a tough time. If that first round isn't kind of even and he's able to kind of, you know, kick it into to third and fourth gear into the later rounds, that's usually where he tends to do good. Um, I have to imagine Alexander Hernandez is going to come out with a lot of gusto and try to really put the, uh, the beating on Cerrone, knowing, you know, watching footage and seeing that he doesn't do well with pressure early on. Um, I feel like that's probably Hernandez's best uh, avenue to victory. I'm still going to go with Cerrone. Um, I think his last fight against was it Mercier, Bob, where he got the decision. I think uh, like for Hernandez, yeah, yeah, against Mercier, yes, yeah. yeah. I think that that should, it, that kind of gave me a better idea of where this this kid is skill level wise. Um, and I think if he's getting into a striking exchange with Cerrone, if Cerrone can, you know get into gear a little bit quicker, you know, and not get overwhelmed early. I I think he can um, pick apart Alexander. So I'm going with Cerrone, but I feel like this is a really hard fight. And I think if Alexander does start really strong and Cerrone kind of starts to drown in the trouble he puts him in, it's going to be a really tough uphill battle for him. But I feel like Cerrone, the veteran is going to have some tricks to kind of even it out and and get into gear and, you know, potentially finish this guy late in the fight or even just win on on the cards. So that's what I'm going with. Um... Mike, what do you think, man?
3: Cerrone in his last fight set the UFC record for both wins and finishes. He holds both those records right now. 35 years young. What do you think?
0: I like to do this thing with Cerrone where if he wins, I like to pick him in his next fight. If he loses, I shy away from him. So since he won in his last fight against Mike Perry, I'm going to keep it nice and simple and say I go with Cerrone.
3: Um, I got Cerrone too here. Um, I'm actually, I'm riding the momentum of man. I saw the last one perfectly that he was going to win that shit. And I'm just going to look Hernandez is good. He's not a large, he's not a tall man. And Cerrone is so good with his kicks and his strikes and putting combinations together. I think he's, I, I understand why he's the underdog. This kid's been great so far, but you know, it might be too much too soon. So I'm, I'm going to go with cowboy Steph, What do you think? Um,
1: I love it when I'm the only one taking the favorite. If I get it right, it makes it seem like you guys are that dumb. Um, It makes me look like a Three points, Devon! Three points! Who takes the favorite? (laughs) Um, But that said, uh, I think, you know, one of my takes on Cerrone is this is the right kind of prospect he loses to. It's the ones who fly under the radar, the ones who aren't out there making a lot of noise because... Cerrone, he's a guy who can fight on emotion. That's why sometimes it takes him a long time to get started if you do not have a stake thing. Nick, or Nate Diaz is the only one who's ever broken him with Trash Talk. Usually Trash Talk makes Donald Cerrone very motivated. And we saw that's where Perry made a lot of mistakes. He really motivated a guy to want to go out there and not start slow. But I've heard no buzz between these guys. So these are the ones that kind of sneak up on Cerrone. Um, Yeah, he's a little short stack, but again, he has credible wins. Um, getting a decision out of Open Mercier, I don't think that's bad. Open Mercier is one of those like b plus across the board type guys. He's just very solid. he's very durable. He's not easy to finish with grappling. He's not easy to finish on striking. Um so that's why you know you have those fights. The fact that he could put out a guy like Darius impressively, um it shows that there's actually a skill set there. so um yeah, this is, I, I think hopefully he'll show why he's a favorite.
3: um yeah. We got to you at the end. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, Stefan's picking the favorite. That's what's going to happen here. Um, I like that on ESPN, man. That's a big opportunity for um, Hernandez, man. That's a really big opportunity. I mean, it is for Cerrone too, but you go out there. If you beat Donald Cerrone in front of the whole fucking world on ESPN, um, it'd be huge for him. Um, So we're not going to pick this Glover Teixeira fight uh, because it would be a lot of guessing if I was going to be honest. So we're going to skip that one. We already did enough guessing with the Ariane Lipsky fight, so we're not going to do that. Um, we're also not going to pick Greg Hardy versus Alan Crowder, and this isn't some sort of, like, protest thing, as much as we were all going to pick Greg Hardy. Um, how He's a massive favorite, right, Stefan? Just, like, a it's, ridiculous It's minus
1: 525 to plus 415. This is clearly just a showcase fight for Greg Hardy.
3: Um, um. He's doing, like, no media. Like, he's not an advert. I don't know. He's the co-main event. Um, he no showed Ariel's. Well, he ca- they apparently called right before the show started, saying he wasn't going to be on the show. So uh, Ariel called Tom Lawler instead, and Tom Lawler was happy to be on the show because Tom Lawler just a good dude. <laughs> he also had a time <laughs> slot wide open for an interview. <laughs> dude, Tom Lawler is doing good work in wrestling. Just want to point that out. He's uh, he's on a that guy MLW. Tom Lawler, I think. By the way, oh Olivier Olivier Urban Mercier is kind of like the spiritual successor to Tom Lawler for me. It's kind of a weird dude. You know, he got a weird stash. He got fucking, you know, fanny pack. I mean, he doesn't dress up at the weigh-ins, but you know, goofy white boy. He's taking the mantle from uh, Tom Lawler, if you ask me. Um, so uh, we're not picking the Greg Hardy fight. Um, I mean, the rea- I mean, Greg Hardy. The way they're treating him, I don't get like the like the whole media silence thing. Because if this is really going to be something he does, and this is going to be his career, at some point we're going to have to talk about you know. Things. Or, you know. And, like, I, this is weird, like, uh, we're going to have this weird, like, oh, everybody deserves second chances thing. But, that's fine and all, but, like, it would be helpful if he at any point showed any remorse for anything at all. And, Mike and Stefan, who have been following this guy longer, I know, like, we all know, like, this motherfucker hasn't, like, hasn't shown even a little bit for anything that happened. So... Put that 100%. out there. He yeah. might want to like, wa- He might want. to do something. It like, wouldn't be that
2: hard just to go on Ariel's show and he asked about his domestic abuse stuff and he could just say, like, that was a really dark time in my life. I, I mean, he wasn't
3: convicted and it was charges were dropped, but he does a way of saying it. You're right. Go yeah, ahead. There's sorry. a way of saying Like,
2: I'm sorry and I'm getting a second chance and I'm so grateful for this opportunity and, you know, the shadow is going to be cast over me, you know, probably for the rest of my life. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to handle this with – you know, a plum in diplomacy, and to come out, you know, looking like a person that has lived, you know, a life experience and has learned from it. Um, and people, people, people may all, not expect, so. people may not accept it
3: anyway. But at least fucking say something. Yeah, because if, if, if he I,
2: just like doesn't want to talk about it, and just tries to pretend it didn't happen, I was just fucked up. Because so, like, whatever. I mean, he's gonna be honestly, guys. I've watched a few of these. He's gonna be good. I
3: don't know what happens when he fights somebody who's also good, but you know, like, he's a fucking freak of nature.
2: I mean, I think an easier path would have been the obvious, just become the Black Third Hardy boy and just go into pro wrestling, but he wanted to try MMA, so whatever. How old is he? Like 28, Mike? What is he? Some shit like that. He's still very young, right? Um,
0: yeah, I think he's uh close to 30, but I, I mean, guess still relatively young for MMA.
3: I mean, yeah. Stefan, we were talking about it like a few weeks ago. You're like, "Man, Matt Matreun was like a not even a like a okay NFL player and like look how much athletically he was better than 90% of the people. You get a fucking all-pro guy?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. The, only, the reason that he's out of the league is entirely due to his personal baggage. It, it really has nothing to do with his football skills. So he's probably thus far maybe the highest like level athlete to enter MMA. Uh, I mean, there's, there have been gold medal Olympians. Those are the only ones that I can even think compare. But... That said, he's easily one of the best athletes to enter this world. Um, I mean, whatever you want to say about him, you whatever. In my opinion, everyone feels how they feel about him. The ones that there's no one's gonna change their stance on Greg Hardy. The ones that were going to forgive him were always going to forgive him because they don't care about it if he's good at something. Um, that's how celebrity works in this world. And the ones that want to condemn him for the rest of his career, his fighting career is not gonna change that. I, I think everyone just will continue to feel the way they already feel about Greg Hardy.
3: Yeah, I mean, hell, if he was going to apologize, he probably would have done it at a time where it would have saved him, you know, his job in the NFL.
1: Yeah, he wasn't trying to protect his NFL career. I don't see why becoming a professional fighter is going to make him a bigger humanitarian now.
3: Yeah, but he's going to be good. Just point that out there, he's going to be good. Um, All right, Um, I really timed this fucking poorly, guys. I swear this wasn't on purpose. Rachel Ostovich and Paige Van Zandt are fighting on this card. Another flyweight fight. Paige Van Zant, um, Stefan—is she the favorite in this one?
1: You yeah, know, you guys are talking about what's a hard fight to pick on this card. To me, this is the hardest fight mm-hmm. to pick on the card. Um, yeah, we have Paige Van Zant as a slight favorite at minus one fifty-five, and uh, Rachel Ostovich as plus one thirty-five.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, let's be—this is the reason it's hard to pick. Um, Rachel Ostovich—you um, guys know what happened. Um, she's trying to deal with real fucking life, you know. And her crazy fucking ex-husband or boyfriend, whatever the hell he is. um, You got her on that side, dealing with that. And then on the other side, you have Paige Van Zandt, which people don't really know how long she is for this sport. It's just been the impression for such a long time, like she's not going to be... I don't know, but the impression it seems to be that she doesn't necessarily want this all this much. Which is not fair, maybe, necessarily, but it's the impression people get. Um. She's the favorite in this one. She's lost three of four, though, um, and she's only fought. And those four fights happened over the course of thirty-seven months. It's how long it took her to fight uh, that long. So, Mark, uh,
2: what do you think, man? Uh, yeah, I I just have to agree with Stefan. This is another really tough fight, and it's for the the bad reasons, right? Like they're both not they don't have great trajectory in their fighting careers uh, right now. They can still change that. Um, I am going with Paige Van Zandt, um mostly because I haven't seen a ton of Rachel's fights, and I I've uh, I remember her in Invicta because she dresses up for her uh, weigh-ins. She usually dresses up as Wonder Woman, and that sticks out, right? In a crowd of watching a bunch of female fights, the one that dresses up as Wonder Woman catches your eye a little bit more. But what I've mostly been kind of disappointed with is that, you know, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I, I know. I remember her. You know, let's see what she can get done here, and then she loses that fight. I think she's like three and three or something. Her record is not great. Um, And Paige is on a similar trajectory, right? Like At one point, we thought we might really have a prospect here, um, but a number of losses has kind of curbed that. And I think a lot of the conversations about her maybe getting out of the sport is obviously because she was on Dancing with the Stars. She has a much bigger profile. She has more avenues to make an income. And if you're not getting it done in MMA, it's like, well, should I really stick with this extremely difficult, brutal sport? Or... Can I write some books or something? You know? Can I make a podcast and go on tour with that or something? There's other ways to make money in this world. And if you're not really fully in MMA, it's not a sport to stick in. But I don't know where she's at. You know, I honestly, I mean, I haven't listened to interviews. I don't know mentally where she's at. She obviously has other ways to make money because of her popularity, but her heart might really be in fighting and she's just having a tough go at it of it um honestly it's just a lot of the fights i've seen with rachel is she um can't get the fight to the ground or implement her wrestling i feel like she struggles a lot and i think she has a hard time out wrestling a lot of these girls so i feel a little bit more comfortable with Paige van zant but it is a tough uh pick uh, fight to pick um i just feel a little bit more comfortable there mike
0: at the risk of being a Paige apologist uh i mean let's run down her last four fights i mean she fought rose there's no shame in losing to the current 115 champ she beat beck rollins she lost michelle watterson there's no shame in that and she broke her arm in, early in the jessica rose clark fight i'm not saying Paige van zandt is a, a world beater but i think when you dive a little deeper into her losing three of the last four you know, you can say that it's not necessarily from a lack of skill. Um, when it comes to to Ostovich, I haven't seen many of her fights. I know she's more of a jiu-jitsu specialist than anything else. But I'm going to go with Paige in this fight mainly because I think the aggressiveness that Paige can bring into the octagon. And I have to assume that with a year away from the sport recovering from her broken arm she's probably uh you know used that time to to gain some new skills um i'm gonna say that overcomes the ring rust that she has and also i think she's just a better fighter than ocevic so i'm gonna go with Paige in her return fight and also the fact and also the fact that ocevic has been going through so much drama that doesn't help
3: um, Steph. Uh, do, you what pick do you think, Paige, man? Rob? I'm sorry. Did you pick Paige? I, I was gonna go after you. Do you? I mean, do you want Does me to go first? If, if you're picking Paige, go first. I'm. I'm not. I'm picking Rachel uh, Ostevich, and it's like for the okay. dumbest reason possible. Because I'll say it, my reason is literally like, man, she's been through a lot. But I don't know. I mean, I listened to her talk to Ariel. She seems like she's got a lot to prove here. She insisted on this fight still happening. and that Motivation, doesn't motivate, necessarily... Motivation's a hell of a drug. Yeah, motivation's a hell of a thing. Paige, on the other hand, looked fucking, like, she didn't seem so much like she seemed like she was actually, like, upset by Reebok not renewing the contract. It didn't seem like it was like, oh, I'm gonna show them type shit. You know, Rachel's a single mom now, I guess, and, like, it's... I, I think she's gonna find a way. I, I, I don't think Paige is that much better than her, to be honest, and Rachel's only, only 27 also. There's plenty of time. And shit, man, Hawaiian MMA fighters are getting stuff done. So fuck it. I, I got her. What do you got?
1: <laughs> um yeah, I was also going to go with Ostovich. Uh I just thought it would have been cleaner if all of you were gonna land on Paige. No, I was um <laughs> I like the story of it, you know? Uh, all things equal. I, I I feel this is kind of a coin flip. Um it really comes down to that wrestling, right? Is Paige is not Paige is weak in the in the clinch. Um when Paige loses, she kinda gets abused in the clinch. Uh It's nothing to snuff at to lose to Michelle Watterson. Michelle Watterson demolished her. Michelle Watterson has not been demolishing anybody. She's been eking out close decisions, sometimes controversial decisions. She demolished Paige. We were there in Sacramento, and the arena fell silent, except for, like, me. But um, I I, I like the story of it. Um, I do not believe Paige is in this. I honestly, when this fight was announced, I was surprised. I thought she was on her way out. Um, She's been focusing more on her image um, I'll leave it at that. And I know for she had a meeting with Triple H down in Florida. I thought that was going to be a done deal. I thought I thought that was it. I thought that was her walking away. Everything else seemed to be aligning in her life. Like yeah, she been kept throwing out she's interested in pro wrestling. You know, we've seen that friggin' um, American Ninja Warrior girl. She she's getting some run down there. So obviously the avenue is there. Paige is a good athlete. I, I is this her fulfilling per, To me, this is her fulfilling her contract. Um, I think she's off to pro wrestling sooner than later and like pro wrestling you lose on your way out so um i i don't i don't believe the focus will be there for Paige.
3: um that's interesting this one's close okay we don't need to pay and analyze all these fights as much as that we really went in deep on that one am i Damn. wrong i thought she met with triple h did it, i think did you're right i think that? she like, did too i think she did too i think you're right, think you're right yeah it's, yeah um all right um dustin ortiz joseph benavidez um stefan Mr. Benavidez is the favorite, right? This is,
1: uh, he is the favorite, um, minus 235 to plus 195. I have a feeling we're all going to pick Joseph Benavidez here, so I'm just going to make that quick argument. Um, I had to look it up to be sure, but I was like, I thought Dustin Ortiz's claim to fame is that he fought really tough against Joseph Benavidez, but still lost a unanimous decision. Um, and that's the best thing Dustin Ortiz has done in his career. And that was, in fact, what happened, um, I- can't see a reason for Joe B to lose this rematch.
3: Yeah, I was just gonna say Benavides is better than him. I mean, Marcus, earlier today, you were like, "Didn't Dustin Ortiz get cut?" I thought he did. So, so yeah, I got Benavides. <laughs> is he a short notice replacement?
1: I, I couldn't understand this fight either.
3: I thought I thought he was well. Benavides was gonna fight somebody else entirely. I remember on the other card, but I don't know what this is. A rematch. As I said, this Dustin Ortiz fought tough, but he still lost cleanly.
2: Yeah, he was yeah. supposed to fight like a Divison yeah. Furito. I never even heard of that yeah. guy, but Mark, who do you got, man? Let's just go through this. No, I got Benavitas too. I mean, I didn't even remember they fought each other before, so like all the more reason that this I thought is- I-, I was pretty sure you thought he was Justin Scoggins at one point when we were talking. About I mean, they're it. very similar. They did fight each other. I think that was Scoggins. First uh, fight was uh, Ortiz and he lost to him, but no, nah, oh, that, that
3: was the one where I talked up Scoggins a bunch of he Lost
2: immediately. You. He's <laughs> back in the groove, right? He just had a fight like a couple months ago. I think it was the end of November. He just won a fight. So he's back in the groove of things. I think he's going to, this is going to be a good, he knocked you know, that
3: guy out like twice too. Yeah. Like Yamasaki fucked that one up. I think. Um, Mike you joining us.
0: Uh, yeah, um, joining you guys. Uh, Benavides is the one that just signed a a new four fight deal, right? At flyweight, if well, I well, no, no. I mean, Apparently,
3: too. he said it it didn't come up, so he assumed it's at weight So, mm-hmm.
0: well, with no uh, with no Mighty Mouse around, maybe maybe Benavides can become champ of. I mean, May- he, he that's will be there, hopefully.
3: Man, this is how we get Benavides versus Dillashaw. That'd be kind of cool. Just putting that out there. Um Okay, um I think next one is Gregor Gillespie, Yancy Madero. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, Stefan, what are the betting odds here?
1: Um, this ties with Greg Hardy for the biggest favorite to underdog discrepancy. Gregor Gillespie is minus five twenty five to Yancey Medeiros's plus four fifteen.
3: Okay. I'm in, wait, I'm going I'm to talk, I, I have watched all this dude's fucking fights, all right, I've realized, because Gre- the uh, co-main podcast got on board with Gregor Gillespie early, because he went and had a post-fight interview and said he was the best fisherman in MMA, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I can get on board with a weird fucking gimmick like that, these fights aren't close, none of these fights are close, all right, he was killing people, and I love Yancey Medeiros as much as a person can love Yancey Medeiros, but they're all fucking barn burners, giant big fucking barn burners and i i'm going gregor gillespie i mean he's a massive favorite i imagine you guys all are but yeah mike what do you got
0: you can't discount a negative 500 favor i'm going gregor gillespie these vegas guys know what they're talking about
3: yeah it's he's way too precise stefan Mm
1: -hmm. um yeah he's one of those prospects who i think you know you kind of put a little asterisk to keep an eye on um he was a national champion wrestler in college, yeah. uh, a lot of All Americans have come through. Fewer champions, and that's like this guy's. When you look at his record, um, he he's doing what you hope to see in these elite wrestler prospects. He's stringing together a, a good amount of finishes now, um, and that's that next evolution for them. So, really, that's what you're hoping to see is, um, I think it's clear we're all going to take the big favorite here, but um, you want to just see continued progression where he dominates, asserts his will, and he gets the finish that he you know he hunts.
3: Marcus, I mean Yancy was on a good run there before he lost to Donald, but yeah, well, he's a big underdog in this one.
2: Yeah, I really hate I'm I'm gonna take uh Gregor too, but I hate picking fights like this because I'm not familiar with them, so I'm purely picking off of hype and numbers and not looking too much at fight footage, even though I just watched a highlight clip and yeah, he's precise enough. He'll get Yancey because Yancey's a little sloppy. He likes to get in brawls. Um, and I didn't like uh, Yancey's last performance with Donald. They were way too buddy-buddy. Too many hugs. Yep. His head wasn't in it. I, I don't feel like that'll be the case here, but I feel like with a guy who's really sharp and has a wrestling pedigree to fall back on if he, if the you know, on-feet exchanges aren't going his way, you gotta like that diversity. so yeah, I'm gonna go with the favorite. Alright, folks.
3: The main event, because co-main event's Greg Hardy killing a man. Um, at Flyweight, Henry Sahudo Henry, the... I forgot his nickname. the Something with a
2: C. Golden Boy.
3: Golden Medals. Not with a C. The Messenger. The Messenger. Henry Cejudo. The reigning, defending UFC flyweight champion. Taking on Tyler James Dillashaw. A.K.A. T.J. Some sort of snake. Is his actual nickname, right? The Viper, maybe? T.J. Dillashaw. um, The reigning... Bantamweight champion of the world. TJ Dillashaw, a man who once tried to start a fighters association, said, I'm going down to flyweight to kill the division for the UFC. They're paying me a shitload of money. My things have changed for young Mr. Dillashaw. Um, last time we saw Tilly Dill- uh, TJ T- Dillashaw, he fucking iced Cody Garbrandt real quick. Um, last time we saw Henry Cejudo, he was on the same night he took the belt off the best fighter in the world. Um, the greatest flyweight to ever do it because hell, he was the only champion for him. He beat Demetrius Johnson in a razor close fight, a fight where a decision probably could have gone either way. And I don't think anybody really had a problem with it one way or the other, given how close it was. Um, the betting odds for this one, Mister Ding Lawson,
1: uh, TJ is a basic two to one favorite, minus two ten to Cejudo's plus one seventy five. All right, go ahead, Stefan. Who do you got? Um, completely contingent on TJ Dillashaw making weight. I have TJ um if he if he doesn't make weight and this is no longer a title fight um I it would... is a
3: title fight it's for the other belt <laughs> huh? Every, if, it, if he should wait he should weigh in first if he misses weight that means Hudo eats a cheeseburger real quick yeah. and so Hudo gets up over 125 and we fight for bantamweight title i just have a legit concern on that i mean tj
1: doesn't miss weight but when he cuts to his weight class he looks really really drawn out i really where another 10 pounds comes off of him, I really can't see it, because at that small size, that 10 pounds is a greater percentage of your body weight. Um, I have a, it, It's not being talked about a lot, but I, I do, for whatever reason, I have a concern on TJ making this weight class. Um, but I expect him to be too big for Henry. Otherwise, I expect his striking to be a level above. Um, the one thing we can say about Henry unseating Mighty Mouse is we had a very small sample size, but we saw how he can lose, and that's when he's controlled. Very, very few people in the history of MMA could control him, but there was a weakness he had off his back with guys who were bigger or stronger than him, and TJ is only bigger. He's he's seemingly too big to be fighting at 125, so um, that's my concern. But skill,
0: size, everything should be in TJ's favor, really. Mike? I'm going to go with Steph as well. I'm going to pick TJ Dillashaw. Uh, I have more faith that TJ will will hit 125 and hit it with Samiz. While TJ for sure has a bit of a surfer boy or frat boy mentality to him, Uh, when it comes to his fighting and his professionalism, I don't think there's many that are above him and uh, Dwayne Bang-Lugwood. So I'm pretty sure they have been doing his nutrition right. And while he will likely look super drawn in, I'm pretty sure they'll have done the weight cut um, as expertly as possible. Uh, and with that in mind, um, I don't think that Sahuda will be able to handle TJ's footwork. Um, I don't think he'll be able to get it to the ground because I don't think that TJ will be, be able to stay in front of him long enough for him to be able
2: to do so. Marcus, I know you're your boy, so you might as well just tell me. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm obviously going to pick uh, TJ, but I, I I mean, I totally agree with Steph. Um, TJ's been talking about going down a flight and fighting the champion, and I was always just been like, how? Because it's exactly what Steph says. Like, when you look at him at 35, it's like, there's not really 10 pounds to take off you at this point. Like, you're going to lose an arm or some muscle mass. He I walked mean-
3: around. He, was, he entered the cage at 150 against Cody. He actually weighed... Cody and Cody weighed more or less what Demetrius weighed that night. Like that's how big TJ, TJ's bigger than Cody Garbrandt and thicker. Cody Garbrandt had a better, would have, made like had a, would have had an easier time getting down to 125 in terms of just what they walk around at. Right. Oh, sorry, so
2: that, that, that's my first concern is just him being able to make the weight and how is he going to, phys- how quickly is going to be able to physically recover after making the weight? Um, I, I but like. Like Mike said, I'm also somewhat confident that he's going to be able to make weight because obviously they must have done some dry runs throughout his career where he's been so confident that he's going to be able to make 125. And I think what Mike said too about his professionalism in his preparation, um, I remember when TJ won the belt and like his first purchase was like, oh, I need to get one of those weird ice. His ice, hyperbaric chamber. His hyper- and I was like, slow your roll, son. Like You've just got that belt. But like this is a guy that's obviously – has taken the preparation aspect of the game extremely seriously. We've seen it pay off dividends in all his fights. Um, The fight itself, I think, is also going to be tough. I I agree that footwork is going to be difficult for Henry to kind of wrap his head around when he's switching stances and able to throw in both stances. At the same time, I think Mighty Mouse had a lot of those same kind of skill sets. I think where they differ is TJ comes to kill. Mighty Mouse often does not come to kill. TJ always wants to end that fight and that's that's honestly but outside of the fact that there's some kind of personal connection where my dad knows his dad and we've created somewhat of a bond by him asking me about tj which has been really cool but i think just skill set wise and just how this guy comes to fight he would have earned my respect as a fan even if you know I, my dad didn't know his dad or whatever like just his fighting style i'm a huge fan of and i you know i've, I've talked at yeah. length about how so much i love Dwayne. um So, you know, I I do think it's – but, you know, to give Henry some credit here, this dude's an Olympic wrestler. I think he's a better wrestler than TJ. I think the fact that he was able to get clinches with Mighty Mouse and take him down says a lot about what he might be able to do with TJ. And I think a lot of how I hype myself up for Henry is just how well he did against Mighty Mouse because he he didn't just take him down. He did control him. And while the controlling aspect is not flashy, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I really want to see – Henry's top work again because he was really doing some interesting shit. He was just completely nullifying Mighty Mouse, but that just I think if he's able to get TJ down, he can probably do that with him as well. And we haven't seen TJ off his back a lot. I don't know how much he's drilling that stuff as much as he's drilling switching to Southpaw and throwing high kicks and liver kicks. Marcus, I'm
3: about I'm about to pick this guy. You're making all my arguments for me.
2: Okay, go ahead. uh, (laughs) So I mean, TJ, I think there's the biggest hurdle is just how does he look at that weight cut? I mean, one, does he make the weight? I think he will. But can he recover? If he can make the weight and recover and all things are even, I think TJ has a really good shot of winning this fight. I still think there's some hurdles with the wrestling he has to, and he has to avoid the clinch. Um, But I feel comfortable picking this fight. But Henry, I think, can definitely shock some people here. And, you know, it won't be pretty. You know, it's not going to be the prettiest fight if he wins it against TJ, but he's going to steal rounds. He's going to try to tire him out, and that's how he's going to get the W. But I think TJ's because he goes so hard and goes for the finish, he's going to be able to catch Cejudo at some point.
3: Um. Yeah, I'm taking Henry Cejudo. Um, Mark mentioned about five of the reasons, so I'm not going to repeat them. Um, the odds on this one, I think, are right though. Um, what did you say was Stefan minus two fifty or something? Uh, two ten is about, yeah. about a
1: clean two to one.
3: That I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Marcus pointed out that yeah, this man's a goddamn Olympic wrestler. <laughs> um, and um, he he beat Mighty Mouse. And it's not just that he beat him. He beat Mighty Mouse after fighting him two years before. Or not even, what was it? It was two years before. Two years before in a fight that it looked like there was like, it looked like it was chess and checkers. He was miles away from him. And it's a real testament to his team, um, his coach that doesn't get enough love, Eric Arcieri, uh, Ar- Arbearcieri, I'm sorry. I don't know the guy's name exactly. Um, he's a professional, and I think. By the way, he doesn't have the greatest weight cuts to one twenty five either. I mean, he's I don't.
1: Got, de- he got. He's got the rub because uh um one of my personal favorite fighters, Alexa Grasso. I saw her travel. Um, she spent the summer training wrestling with Henry Cejudo. I was like, yeah. oh, you got that champion rub now. You got that glow on you.
3: You gotta. You know what it is, man. Um, he's gonna make weight. TJ's gonna make weight. They're both professionals. They're gonna make weight. Um, I think that. I don't think TJ's faster than Demetrius. I don't think anybody's faster than Demetrius. And a big problem Henry Cejudo had was trying to find Demetrius Johnson. And he was able to find him and touch him repeatedly over five rounds. I think they had a lot of time prepared for this fight. I don't think he's going to come in ill-prepared. TJ's a better striker than him. Uh, TJ, is hits with, TJ throws everything. Henry just throws hands, honestly. He throws hands well. He's making giant leaps in his striking with every fight. So I expect him to get even better in this one. TJ throws everything. TJ's a fucking Muay Thai guy, man. He's throwing to eight limbs. Um, but weight cuts make a difference. You know what? Dimitri- uh, Daniel Cormier at 205 isn't throwing one hit or quitters on people, right, man? He fight At, at, at heavyweight, minor Daniel Cormier drops and knocks people out clean. You don't know if TJ's going to go out there and maybe he hits him. He's not going to have as much damage because it took something out of him to cut that much weight. Um, Mark is totally right. If... Uh, Henry can wear on him a little bit, a little bit of pressure against the cage maybe, Um, a little bit on the ground, we can get him on the ground, because I do think if he gets a hold of TJ, TJ's going to the ground, I think anybody Henry puts his hands on is going to the ground, it's not an indictment of TJ's wrestling, TJ's a fantastic wrestler, Demetrius is a fantastic wrestler, Henry puts his hands on you, you're going to the ground, it's a matter if he can do it or not, I think he can do it, and quite frankly, I want him to do it, because I don't think this division needs to go away. And if, if, really, if they're really going to kill this fucking division, if that's really what's going to happen if Henry Cejudo loses this fight, fuck, man, let him win. They have, like, how many events did I count, Marcus, 20 in the first half the year? We're going to need belts. Let's, let's use a real one. We don't need to make up another one. Let's use this one. You have it. It's a real belt. Let's see what happens with Henry Cejudo leading this division. Let's see what happens if you have a champion that's not Demetrius Johnson
2: leading the division. Maybe more people will watch. Maybe it'll be more competitive. To you know? to give Henry fucking balls though too, and I don't want to discourage Mighty Mouse, but like we've been floating around TJ DJ for a while, and Mighty Mouse never really seemed all that interested in picking up that fight unless he was pick pay- he was, he basically was asking for a paycheck. I mean, I don't know if he knew it or not. He wasn't going to get. Henry wins the belt. The first thing he does is call out uh, Dilla, Dillashaw, and I was like, "Dude, are you fucking serious? You fucking crazy one? You probably got to fight my. We, 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 we were
3: sitting there. We're like, what?
2: Well, we thought was like, it this was is a- not a great fight for this guy. This dude's gonna be bigger and hits harder. Like I was like, and, and even for Dillashaw, I was like, well, that's a good fight for him. He's gonna move down, be bigger, and hit really harder. This guy. So I have to give just massive amounts of credit to Henry. First time he gets the belt, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm moving up weight classes. And I want to fight this guy."
3: Yeah, oh if he man, wins this crazy. fight, he if he wins this fight, he's say he's coming up and taking uh TJ's belt. That's what he should do if I he mean, wins.
2: I really Is hate those s- fights where it's like you I don't I don't champion, like, and I don't the like belt, and it's like you have to fight him again.
3: Like you already I, do. I don't like this coming down shit either. Like that was one of the things where like uh Anderson, or I think like GSB always said like he didn't want to like go down in weight because he didn't like a bigger guy the bigger champion trying to pick on the younger, like the smaller one. He didn't see, he thought if you're going to challenge yourself as a two weight champion and look, it's a challenge to make this weight and it's going to, Henry's a great fighter, but Steph, like the argument that like, Hey man, if you're going to go challenge for another title and be a double weight champion, the challenge is facing the larger man. This is kind of weird. This is the first one we have where someone's going the other way.
1: Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's the underdog versus the bully the bigger guy, you just, pre- you give them the bully moniker because they seem nat- to be naturally advantageous. Um, yeah, I, and I feel like I I haven't heard, followed much on this fight, but um, I will say one of my concerns about TJ, the, the kid's talking a lot. Um, he's being very, he's being very assert, certain and assured of his own win already. Um, you know, he might be writing checks that before they cash and all that, um, whatever ad you want to use. So, um, I have some nervous there, but in that regard, yeah, we like TJ, but he's clearly
3: the villain of this story. So uh, man, I told you, I put the picture up there in our group chat. TJ's face on the picture of this poster, which is the biggest shit-eating grin I've ever seen on a man, Mike. Like, he is this self-awareness, right? At this point with TJ, you think? Because that is a wonderful picture.
0: He was a little cocky. He he seemed a little cocky before he he lost his belt to dominic so hopefully this isn't a repeat of that
3: i mean hopefully it is man i want all these guys all these boys to have jobs man
0: (laughs) quote you've got holes in your game bro unquote
3: i mean i think i'm the only one the only hype i saw for this fight was i was watching ariel's show on new year's eve and he had both of them on and henry was definitely drunk and it was even while drunk he was getting the better of the exchange which was really says something to you about TJ's t- shit talking at this point in the, in the game. Um, all right, man. UFC on ESPN Plus first the debut. Um, you can get five streams at once, allegedly. So make four friends. The four of us are all gonna be on one. Are on one account. We're paying ESPN one dollar a month each. Um, all right, let's do stuff we like. Um, I'm gonna go first and do my real quick wrestling minute. Um, anybody who's paying even the slightest attention to what's going on in pro wrestling would have the hardest time, uh, missing that a new player is in the game. Um, all elite wrestling long rumored became a reality, a promotion owned by Tony Khan and Shad Khan of the Jacksonville Jaguars run by the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes. These motherfuckers went out there and they said they were going to do it. And, um they did it, man, Um, they really did, and uh, they really went out there, they had a press conference with a fucking bang, man, they, and they announced some a, a pretty, like, a pretty decent lineup for something that doesn't really, like, not a lot's happened, like, nothing's really exists so far, beyond the announcement of a second show in Vegas in May, I mean, they got the Young Bucks, and Cody, and um, Scorpio Sky, and Chris Daniels, all the SCU guys, and the big one was Chris Jericho came out, and Chris Jericho didn't just do a one-off thing. Chris Jericho signed a three-year deal and pissed off the old man, Vince McMahon, and they cut him out of all the fucking promos and shit at the beginning of SmackDown that was on like an hour and a half later. Um, they announced Jericho's going to be there for three years, man, and they got, I mean, they got the bad boy Joey Janela, all, all the goddamn indie all-stars, uh, Pen- Penelope Ford, uh, Britt Baker, DDS, um, they really and... They got fucking Pac for WWE heads out there. They got Neville who showed up to the press conference in his gear because motherfuckers is ready to fight. He will fight you anywhere. Um they announced a show for Vegas in in May at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, which holds about 16,000, 17,000 based on their configuration, a big step up from All In. And this is just competition's good for everybody, man. It's like everybody gets paid more they talking about making these guys employees and giving them health insurance. They can do all the things they want to do. It'd be really big for the
2: industry and good for the guys there. So, so Bob, what what's what's the line on a TV deal? Cuz my understanding is Super There's popular, a couple They 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 can do some big pay-per-views without a TV deal. They're not going to have enough fan base cuz you have to build so, a fan base, right? So Jericho who went out there and said, he said, "Look,
3: I've seen some of the TV deals on the table. He says, let's put it this way. He says, there's no way there's no way I'd sign a three-year deal with a company if I didn't think they had a TV deal that would be worthy of it. He said, and the rumor right now is that uh, TNT slash TBS is the big one, where if they get a weekly show, on, which, by the way, if we're back on wrestling on
2: TNT. That, that, after, I was going to say WCW was back on there a decade ago, yeah, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. If they can get on TNT or TBS, um, that's big, man. They got a. They got on a real network like that, or even if they get on, I don't even know what it, what the other equivalent would be at this point. What cable equivalent would be? But I think this is um. This is a big. This is a big deal for them, and the big one out there is Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega is a free agent come January thirty first, and Kenny Omega's already turned down to WWF offering him, so much money, so much goddamn money, um, and. I think he's coming. So yeah, they get Kenny. Yeah, Omega.
1: I've never paid attention to pro wrestling financials. What is a lot of money in professional wrestling world?
3: Let's put it this way, okay? They offered the Bucks, not even Kenny. They offered the Bucks a base salary, a minimum of $3.5 million a year, which is what AJ Styles makes. That's for the tag team, for the Young Bucks. Kenny was offered more than that. So there you go. There's that. I mean... You're you're making seven figures if you're at the top of the card, basically. All the all the boys out there are making six figures, you know, depending on your merch sales and stuff. They offered them all a ton of money. They offered Hangman Page, um, they said they'd pay him main roster money to go be in NXT at first.
1: I I really like the uh, competition angle of this because uh, like Mark alluded to, and you're kind of speaking to is I hope they get a TV deal because um, my little pro wrestling resurgence of a few years ago. It kind of coincided with uh, Mark discovering, like, NXT, the Cruiserweight Classic, and all that network kind of stuff, and that kind of really, you know, it it hit a lot of nostalgia marks of kind of feeling, like, more towards the pro wrestling I grew up with. But then my interest also kind of flamed out when they kind of got called up to the big league, so to speak, with the main WWE roster, and I just kind of didn't like any direction any of the characters were taken, you know? Like, uh, it'd be nice to see, like... I, I always, I don't ever watch. I don't always watch the videos, but I was on my like YouTube feed, like Oh Shinsuke Nakamura, thinking about not renewing with the WWE. So you know, someone like Shinsuke gets to go over there, and he gets to be more like this character that I really enjoyed on that more indie level. Uh, you know, it, it could spark me to follow it on a more weekly basis.
3: Yeah, and um, this is you know it was a big it's a it's a big time for them. So we'll see what comes of it. And then real quick, uh, NXT UK had their first ever takeover, um, which actually happened at in Blackpool in the UK, which my UK geography is not good. Um, so I really can't tell you uh, what that means necessarily. But um, Tyler Bate and uh, Trent Seven had one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen with a guy named Zach Gibson and James Drake and um it was a good show overall man uh pete dunn is great pete dunn was in the main event defending his belt and um spoiler alerts um well, after you're, you're
1: burying are you're burying the best part of them isn't their uh tag team name mustache mountain they are mustache mountain
3: i apologize because uh, i
1: remember when i last time i joined you to watch nxt i didn't know who the hell they were all i saw
3: was mustache mountain and i'm like okay so this is a thing this is yeah they got this Zach Gibson guy, by the way, he has more bad guy heat than anybody I've seen in a while. Like, people have a chant where they say, take off your shoe if you hate Zach Gibson. And everybody lifts their fucking shoe. Like, they just hate the guy. And like, I guess it's a whole thing where people from Liverpool are generally not trusted. Cause then like, people have a chant like, check your tires, because I guess if you, are near Liverpool, you might get your tires stolen.
1: Well, having never I, been to Liverpool, Mark and I, because I think we were watching the countdown, we learned a lot when uh, a young Darren Till said they sent me to live in Brazil because my neighborhood in Liverpool was too dangerous. And I was yeah, like, I, Brazil was the safer option here, huh? All right.
3: Yeah. So it was. Uh, he's yeah. There was a good show, and Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley. They have a good thing going in NXT UK. But really, the bearing the lead, um, the big thing was after the main event. Walter made his debut, and Walter. Is a very large Austrian man, um, kind of like Arnold wrest- Arnold Schwarzenegger, the pro wrestler, and people fucking love him. So yeah, um, I talked a whole bunch here. Sorry guys, Mike, what do you got this week? <laughs> you muted yourself, brother.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. It was uh, taking a while for me to unmute myself. Mm. Uh, hmm. Well, um, probably something we once said uh, that you once said you'd like probably maybe at the beginning of uh, when we have when we started doing this but I binge watched the uh, seasons one through four of Brooklyn nine nine um, over the last nine yeah so um, it, NBC picked it up and uh, I thought you know what this is good a good as time as any to uh, actually watch the show I had just watched the first season And I had never watched any of it after that. So I thought, you know what? Might as well do this for the next week and a half. And uh, yeah, much like how I thought with the first season, it's a really funny show.
3: Terry loves yogurt. (coughs) Very underrated succumb. Glad (coughs) Glad it found a second life. Yeah, the season premiere was this week. It was great. Um, Definitely worth checking out if you guys are up to date.
2: Um, Marcus. Uh, what you got this week? Yeah, I got a couple things. Uh, first, games coming out this week. There's a couple... To be honest, the rest of the month is pretty fucking badass. Um, And this week's no exception. There's a couple smaller games coming out uh, when you guys are listening to this uh, today, a Tuesday. Uh, Onimusha Warlords is getting re-released on PS4, I think Xbox One, and Switch. I, I'm getting it on Switch. I'm really excited to replay Onimusha. This was a uh, PS2 game made from Capcom. Um, it's basically a samurai version of Resident Evil, more or less, um, with some kind of uh, supernatural elements to it. Um, it was a series that I think garnered a lot of fanfare and kind of lived and died on the PS2. Um, they never brought the series back um, for PS3, even like re-releases, um, and just now we're getting this. So a lot of people are thinking this is Capcom testing the waters to see if there's still some excitement around that series. I think there is a- is a lot. I think a lot of gamers have been talking about Um, Having more games set in uh, feudal Japan and we're actually getting some of those uh, this coming year But Onimusha was a really popular um, series back in the day. I'm really excited to go back to it Um, On Thursday, there has been this indie RPG called Y2K, ka postmodern post-modern RPG I've had my eye on for probably five years Um, Honestly, I think it's kind of coming out uh, too little too late at this point There's been so many really great turn-based uh, indie RPGs on the market. Um, I feel like this game had a really unique, uh, simplistic art style back in the day, but now there's been a lot of games that have used that same art style. So I think it really struck a chord with me back in the day because it was so unique. Many years removed. Um, I don't know just how it's going to fare in today's climate with you know the indie market booming as it is, but I'm very interested to try out. The real shit I want to talk about this week. Um, first, with uh, 2018 wrapping up, I've been listening to a lot of the Game of the Year stuff about, 20, um, about 2018. And a game that I heard from early on in 2018, um, and then coming again with the Game of the Year stuff, is a mobile game, which I don't play games on mobile at all. Um, but everyone's been talking about Florence uh, since it came out early last year. And it is a fantastic, very short, but very endearing game uh, that I recommend to anyone. It is only $2.99 on the App Store. It's on iOS and Android. Um, and basically it is, you know, an hour playthrough of a relationship in the, uh, you basically take, um, you know, the perspective of the female in the relationship and just how their life was before the relationship, how they got into a relationship, how that relationship evolved, and ultimately how it changed and uh, breaks at the end. And um, it's it's just a really fascinating game. The music, the art all coincides, and even the gameplay, it's very simplistic, but it just reinforces the story that's going on, and I couldn't recommend it enough. You know, When I heard about it last year, everyone was talking about the same talking points that I am, and it wasn't until just hearing it again, I was like, I gotta give this a shot, even though I don't play mobile games that much. So um, me and my fiance, Christine, I wanted her to play it, or we can play it together. We. You know, curled up on the couch, uh, went through it in an hour. It was a fantastic experience. The entry point's low at 299 I couldn't recommend that one enough, uh, Florence. But the real banger, the thing that I played on Friday, and I can't stop thinking about all fucking weekend and today, and I'm so glad the game's coming out in a couple weeks. Uh, Capcom released a, what I think is a kind of a unique idea, a one-shot demo for the remake of Resident Evil 2, and it is really good. Um Basically, just a little background, Capcom made a remake of the first Resident Evil back on GameCube probably in like 06, 07. And ever since then, everyone's like, oh fuck, you got to do Resident Evil 2, that's the better of the PS1 Resident Evil games. Resident Evil 2 was the high mark easily, and everyone has just been clamoring, we need to get a remake, Fixed camera angles or not, this just needs to happen. It's been years and years and years, and I think it was two years ago. The developers at Capcom said, like, we're doing it, and all that they had a little video, and the guy just said, I think it said, like, let's do it on his shirt, and they're like, we're making it. They didn't have any footage to show. They basically went on Blackout for a year and a half. It wasn't until this last E3. They showed a trailer. They had gameplay, and they said, game's coming out in January, which is really badass, because a lot of these games, we get announcements, and it's years and years and years until we see stuff, until the game actually gets a release date. Um, And now it's coming out in, it's going to be next Friday on the 25th, I believe. And um, I mean, I could just, I could talk about Resident Evil and how great it is. But really, um, I would just say, try the demo. It's out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, Like I said, it's interesting and unique in that you basically have a small slice of the game and you have 30 minutes to complete it or not. You get one attempt at the game and then that's it. And I think what's really cool about that is that I was so enamored by this demo. I want to play it again, but I'm kind of glad I'm not because this happens with really good games. I remember getting the demo for Metal Gear Solid and just playing that demo over and over and over again because it was just so cool and unique and fun. And then when you actually play the game and you get to that part, it's like, well, fuck, I've done this like a million times. So... I'm really glad you get one shot, you have your fun, you have your experience, and then that sticks with you. And it's like, fuck, I really want to play that game now. So, uh, yeah, totally recommend checking out Resident Evil 2 Remake, the one-shot demo. Um, and then next, probably two weeks from now, we'll talk about actually playing it because it's coming out real soon. So, yeah, that's it. Staff, what do you got, man? Um, yeah, last Monday uh, I took my parents as a
1: gift. Uh, we went down to Levi's, went to the Red Box Bowl. That was a uh, Oregon's bowl game against Michigan State. It was a rousing 7-6 to six affair, featuring uh, 19 punts. It was a defensive... Uh, it was quite the defensive game. Um, that said, uh, the last week or so, uh, you know, being in the month of January, one of the things I always find is fun is everyone's kind of best of 2018 lists come out. You can kind of uh, catch an abbreviated thing for a variety of subjects. I ended up indulging uh, my nerdier side with watching a shit ton of anime. Um, I've probably started like seven different shows, um, all of them of varying degrees of interest. Um, one that I finished, and I do not think any of you will bother to check out, um, it has a ridiculous name and it has a sillier premise, but God damn it, I found it entertaining. Um, it's called Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. It is a uh, hard out. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a tough sell. Um it's very much uh it's it's very much a kind of high school like slice of life drama. Um kind of the catch with it, it has like a little bit of a sci-fi supernatural element to it. Um for example, the first arc, one of the girls, she was a child star. Um and so basically you're during like adolescence and puberty, all your anxiousness and your kind of inner fears kind of manifest into real world phenomena. So this girl who was a child actress, and she went back to high school, so she kind of feels her celebrity fading from the limelight. And so as a result, she in fact starts to become invisible to the public. People start to forget her existence, and she's basically being erased out of existence altogether. So there's a little bit of a mystery element of solving what's happened and having an overcome it. But ultimately, every little arc is just a story about coming of age. It's kind of learning to take these anxieties we feel growing up and even as adults but being adult and overcoming them. So there's a lot of cute little lessons in it. Um, It is such a niche type thing, but I ended up binging it in two and a half days. So clearly it stuck with me. The characters resonated. I liked it. And it was just on a lot of best of lists. Um, I'd always seen its ridiculous name. Um, Gave it a shot. I'll probably report back on some other ones that I watched in the coming weeks.
3: All right. That's it. Uh, we're going to be back it, next week. It, it might go? Yeah, he went Brooklyn oh. Nine-Nine. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, be back next week. There's no card next week Um. because they had to cancel it because they couldn't find people to fight on it and also charge us money, but we are going to preview Fedor versus Ryan Bader. Nice. Fedor versus Ryan Bader. Do you guys Fedor, hear the news? Fedor. So, Jack Swagger Well, formerly Jack Swagger, now Jake Hagar is making his Bellator debut on that card. Do you know who's performing his entrance music, Stefan? Did you hear the news?
1: Someone is performing his entrance music.
3: That's right. R Truth himself will be playing, will be performing uh, Jack Swagger's entrance music. Just trying to get that pro wrestling audience in there. Scotty Coker doing what he can.
1: Is there a song? Do they have a history of doing a song together?
3: I don't know. I, th- I think r truth has got albums and shit. Look up. I mean, it's like uh, that was, He's been rapping for like twenty years. When we stopped watching, he showed up. So that long is how long r truth been rapping. Which is what you want your all American wrestler from Oklahoma to come out to some hip hop. Um, there might be other. I think uh, what's his name's on that card too? Uh, Aaron Pico, I believe, is on that card as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that one. We'll see if we got a new Flyway Champion. And if the, well, I mean, and if the flyway division still exists, I guess that will be another thing we'll talk about. Um, until then, I was Doctor Law. Kid Presentable was here. Lavender Gooms was here. DJ Mark was here. Thank you all for lis- for listening. We really appreciate it. Happy New Year, two thousand nineteen, guys. Another episode in the books. See you next week. Peace. See
2: ya. Bye.